So if anybody has a voice in the NFL organization that's hearing this right now, please, I am going to present you the perfect solution. Welcome to the Sports Forecasters Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. This podcast has been created not to dwell and over-evaluate what has already happened in the sports world, but to predict and to forecast what has yet to come. From game picks to draft picks, and from trades to free agent signings, we will let you know what happens before it happens. Your hosts, Nick and Nate, will evaluate, study, and understand sports patterns, tendencies, and nuances to better prepare you on what to expect. Just like Weatherman, but way more accurate. So if you like to pick games or you simply just want to be in the know before anybody else, you are in the right place. Enjoy the show. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the next edition of the Sports Forecasters podcast. We are in the, the towards the end of the football season, probably the craziest weekend of football I've ever seen in my entire life. How's it going, Nick? It's going great. Spectacular weekend of football. I don't know if this weekend's going to top it, but I'm sure the NFL is putting all their chips on the table saying, I think we can still do better. A lot of things going on in the NFL landscape, so that's where this episode is going to be heavily centric on this. Just to start things off, we have two veteran quarterbacks thinking about maybe it's time to hang it up or leaving their situation murky on what's coming up, and that is Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Nathan, I'm going to let you start us off. Which quarterback do you want to talk about and where do you believe their situation is going to go? Yeah, let's talk about, I'll talk about Tom Brady and then I'll let you, you talk about Tom Brady. So he's been saying a lot on his podcast lately. He's been saying the cliche stuff like, you know, uh, I got to talk with the family, family consideration and things. That's just what he's just saying for now. But I think he, he grew frustrated with Tampa Bay over time. And and I honestly, I, I thought this was going to happen last year, Nick. And I thought he's going to go to Tampa Bay and it's going to fail. And this, I know, it's crazy. They won the Super Bowl. It's crazy to, to think that. That's what I said. But I thought he's going to go to Tampa Bay and it's going to kind of be a failure because I don't think he's going to realize the culture that, Boston, that New England brought him was so important um then he goes to tampa bay and they start off rough but they swung it all together and then all of a sudden all the sports in tampa bay were winning like the tampa bay lightning won back to back in the cups tampa bay rays went to the world series this is a crazy it's like wow i was wrong but i don't know if i was completely wrong because i still think there's culture issues that tom brady was able to cover up for a short amount of time what what helped was like this mentality, you know, just he was he had a bunch of veterans on the team, good football players that never won anything. Donovan Sue, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, and a number of others who just a bunch of veterans that would came and a lot of them just never had rings. And thought, well, this is my opportunity. Kind of like the Lakers are right now. Um, just, oh, a bunch of veterans that don't have any rings. Let's play with LeBron. Well, a bunch of veterans don't have any rings. Let's play with Tom Brady. Um, because they feel like that's their best chance. It's not that easy. You know, you got to be ingrained in that culture. You got to have the Patriot way. But I think uh, it was a, people wrote on the emotion that Tom Brady brought, that mentality. Um, but but 99.9% of people can't sustain that like Tom Brady day in and day out and just want to be just that self-motivation, want to be better each and every day. And a lot of these guys, and I predict this at the beginning of the season was 
they're going to they're gonna get their ring and then they're going to be satisfied. Like they're going to be content and they don't have the mentality like Tom Brady has, you know, what's your favorite ring? And his is always the next one. These guys got their rings and I just felt like this season was just not going to be as dominant. And, and, um, and obviously they had an Antonio Brown issue uh, towards the end of the season. They had a bunch of injuries and just a lot of turmoil at the end of the season. I don't think Bruce Arianus is the most disciplined guy. They're still in Florida. I mean, New England culture is a little bit more cutthroat. I mean, they have the cold winters. That just brings kind of the gutsiness out of somebody, you know. In Tampa Bay, you know, 75, 85 degrees and sunny. It's it, <laughs> The weather plays a part in that, in the culture. So I think that that culture I, pre, I thought was going to happen two years ago kind of caught up to them this year. And a lot of these guys that got the ring, they're satisfied. Uh, they won a lot of games, obviously, and that was pre- predominantly because of Tom Brady, who led the league in passing yards and touchdowns. He's tired of that culture and tired of almost like a childlike mentality that they have there compared to what he has. And you, you start to really respect maybe that Belichick-Brady marriage that they had that was just so dominant and just two guys that were always on the same page and thought a lot alike for the most part. Um, obviously, they had their bumps and bruises, but... When you have two very, very competitive guys, you know, they're going to get at it sometimes. And, and But it lasted 20 years. It's a very long time. Honestly, I, I, I really don't know. <laughs> this is really tough because I think he's got one year left on his contract. If he retires, fine. I think there's a possibility he gets traded to, like, the 49ers. I think if there's any other team he'd play for, it's them. And they're in a situation where... They're, they're, I mean, they got the perfect roster for him. There's one weakness on that team, and that's their quarterback. Um, ironically, his back in New England. So the, I think there's three scenarios. He returns for his last season. He retires. Now he goes to the 49ers. Which one's which? It's tough to tell. I don't know if I have a prediction for you. Um, I think the safest thing to say is he'll, he'll be back for one more season in Tampa Bay and call quits just because he played such a great year with them. And he's made a lot of relationships. He's not going to just jump ship for another team. Um, but So I guess if I had to predict something, he'll, he'll do one more season with Tampa Bay. Yeah, to piggyback off that, how you ended was actually what my whole stance was going to be. For Tom Brady, I really don't have a great feel about how he's going to go with it because there's just so many things he's already accomplished, so many accolades he's hit that many players can only dream about hitting. And that's the number of championships, the amount of success he's had. And so for him, it's going to be a lot of soul searching, but I ultimately think he's going to give it one more year and just kind of have it be the foregone conclusion. This is my last year. This is it. This is my last ride. The big thing I saw this year was they fell into the, their roster was going the opposite way. Instead of getting healthier, they were getting more banged up where last year, everything kind of started clicking the right way for them. Everyone's starting to get healthy on their roster. They had pretty much everyone ready to go come conference round and eventually the Super Bowl. So I think it was draining in the sense of just being underwhelming. And so for him, I think he's just starting to notice things around him. And typically when that starts to happen, I would generally say with not much more to go off of, but the few quarterbacks that start talking about it usually go about one more season and then they finally hang it up. We'll see what Tom Brady does. If I was to pick today, he would go one more season, but I would not be shocked if he does hang it up and decides that's enough. 
Moving on to our next quarterback that's in the headlines about what he's going to do next is Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has been a talking point as of last season around the draft. Uh, reports came out. He was unhappy with Green Bay, and everyone, ourselves included, tried to speculate what will he do. We both ended up going with he was going to stay in Green Bay because just the money, they couldn't unload that. And now coming into this offseason, what is he going to end up doing? What is it going to look like for Aaron Rodgers? Nathan, what are you seeing for him? Yeah, so I actually listened to him on the Pat McAfee show today. Um, we talked a lot about this because they were really trying to get an answer out of him. And to me, just based off what I'm hearing, it sounds a lot like what whatever Devontae Adams, whatever Green Bay decides to do with Devontae Adams. Like, so Green Bay is over the salary quite a bit. Um, and then they could franchise take Devontae, which is a ton of money. So I don't know how they're going to figure it all out. But I think if they figure out how Devontae stays, I think Aaron Rodgers does stay, actually, and does one more ride with them, no matter what. Um, if they're not able to figure out that financials and get what he wants, he's going to test free agency, I think, and just see what's out there. But I think he's going to be very picky about it. At the end of the day, he's going to be very picky about everything. Um, and if there's not a situation he likes, he's content. He's super content with walking away and calling it quits. He's... He's not as, I would say, he doesn't live and breathe it and eat it like Tom Brady. I, th I think it'll be a lot easier for Aaron Rodgers to walk away from this game than Tom Brady. So I think Aaron Rodgers is more likely to retire because he's, I think he's a little bit harder to please. The situation needs to be perfectly right for him. And you kind of saw at the beginning of the season where it's like, he kind of threatened to like leave or retire. And then he basically got whatever they wanted. He wanted it worked. They did very well. I, th I gosh, it's just, I think he's more likely to retire, but if they can keep Devonte there, he's, he's totally staying in green Bay. Um, but if, if, if they can't figure out that financial stuff, he, he literally could go anywhere. I feel like, um, so I don't think much matters whether or whatever. I think he, he just wants one more ring. And so whatever that would place would be, whether it's Denver, whether it's Miami, whether it's um, Carolina, it's not going to be New York. New York's committed to Daniel Jones next year. So no one's going to New York. So you got the Russell Wilson scenario. So it, it'd be interesting. I don't know. It's like, do you stay in the NFC? Do you, I figured you'd want to stay in the NFC. You don't want to jump to the AFC with all these. This is loaded with quarterbacks. So I would think the Saints would be a gig, but now that Sean Payton's gone, Ah, that that might be a little fishy situation because they, they might be rebuilding now, you know, so I mean, you don't know Mike Thomas's situation. So there's just really not a good a good fit. That, that's why it's like you can't just rule out him to stay in um, there. Or who knows, San Francisco. That's also possible. I, San Francisco, they're in a tough situation because I think they have Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers both would potentially go there. Uh, they're going to move off Jimmy G this year. There's no doubt about that. He is awful. <laughs> He's just so bad. Um, but did they go with Trey Lance? Because they gave up a ton of stuff to get Trey Lance. Right? He's sitting there. Is he ready? Do they get him? Or, or do they not trust him? I don't know. So, um, he's with the Packers, probably 49ers next. Very picky if anywhere else. But retirement, I think, is more likely for him. I'm kind of on the opposite boat of that one. I actually think he will be around where he will be 
I, like you said, I really depends on Devonte Adams and the financial situation of Green Bay. If Green Bay has unload a lot of their talent, he knows there's teams out there that are going to roll out that red carpet for him. They're going to give whatever he wants and make it happen. There's someone in the NFL that's going to make that happen. Someone that wants that pedigree, that wants that chance at that championship ring. So I know Aaron is saying the word retirement a lot more and he's been waving it around for a season plus, but I think he learned from his predecessor and Brett Favre and where he can kind of say it a few times, but doesn't mean he's committing to it yet. Yes, when he walks away from the game, he's going to be totally fine with it. I feel more sure he will be back than Tom Brady and watch it completely goes the other way. But I feel like he's going to be around wherever he ends up, though. It's really going to depend on Adams and the financial situation. I think ideally for Green Bay and for Aaron, he would love to stay there, but he knows he can find other opportunities if the situation isn't looking good. He's going to be extremely picky, like you said. He's going to want to put himself in that best position to make that last ride. And just on a side note for Aaron, if Tom was to retire this year, he would most definitely hold off for another season because I feel like he would want to headline his group when it comes to Hall of Fame voting and everything like that down the road. He's a guy that's a forward thinker and thinks that far ahead. And I don't know that he has to have the limelight, but I'm sure that's something in the back of his mind as well is kind of seeing what does Tom do. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what these two guys do. Speaking of guys trying to make decisions, Nathan, just recently, Sean Payton, as you said, of the New Orleans Saints, has decided to hang it up for right now. Not retirement, just taking a sabbatical, taking some time off, trying to just unwind for a little bit. What are you thinking about that situation with Sean Payton? Thinking about it, I initially was like, whoa, I was expecting that, but no, it's like, it's not surprising because it's like, they're, they're going to, Saints are done, they're rebuilding, right? They, the Michael Thomas situation is crazy. Um, they obviously have a good defense, but um, they got to make decisions at quarterback and is Jameis the guy, Taysom Hill, but either one of those, you're kind of rolling your eyes at. So I think Sean Payne's like, listen, I, I, I don't, I don't want to, I'm too old. I'm too, I've been in this too long. I'm not here to start this over again, you know, like he did 16 years ago when he got Drew Brees. And so I think he, he walked away because I think there's a lot, because there's a lot of coaching possibilities out there. That maybe he's interested in. I think there's one particular one that's actually not an opening right now, but could possibly be an opening, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. So obviously that was always a, a team he's wanted to coach for, and those coordinators in Dallas are probably going to get head coaching gigs, and there's rumors Mike McCarthy's going to be out. With Sean Payton available, and I know Jerry Jones really wants Sean Payton to coach the Cowboys. It's either they get him now, or he takes the year off. See what the options are next year, and if Sean Payton is unemployed next year, he's going to Dallas. So they're going to fire Mike McCarthy because every every year a new NFC East team wins. Cowboys won it this year, so that means they're not going to win it next year. Um, probably like the Eagles or something will win it. So, anyways, that's that's kind of what I'm seeing. I I, I just think he's he's got his eyes on one team, and that's Dallas. And if it's not Dallas, I I really don't see him going anywhere else unless the offer is too good to be true. One can only dream that the Eagles will win the NFC East next year. We'll see how the offseason looks with that, but we're not forecasting that. Yeah, Sean Payton stepping away was definitely a shock for us. I think you and I, if we talked two weeks ago, it would have been a foregone conclusion. Yeah, Payton's going to be back, no problem. So with him stepping away, he definitely made it clear that he's not retiring. He's just taking a quick break here, just recharging in. 
when you do that and you have a franchise that loves you like New Orleans does, that means you are looking for another opportunity. Now, will the opportunity be the obvious one that everyone's been saying for how many years? I mean, it's been around a decade that everyone keeps speculating that he's going to Dallas. He's going to Dallas, but I don't know where he's going to end up. I, I give it 80-20 that he goes to a new team over staying with the Saints. If he stays with the Saints, it's more or less to make it a little easier for him to be moved. But obviously, not that John Gruden is the greatest example, but he's the latest example of a team will do things to make things move so they can get the coach they're looking for. And so with Sean Payton, it's going to be when that opportunity arises, whatever he's looking for. He's taking this year off to kind of recharge and be ready for whatever that job is. Maybe it is the Dallas shop. Maybe it's somewhere else that that comes open. Who's to say my money would be on Dallas if I was to put a wager on it, just like you were alluding to, Nathan. Ultimately, yeah, I 100% agree. He's just taking time off to get ready for that next location that he wants to be, his dream location. So now that we've talked about people that are talking about hanging it up, who could hang it up, who might not hang it up, let's look at something that I believe Nathan wants to hang up, and those are the overtime rules currently in the NFL. Nathan, give us your thoughts on the current NFL overtime rule situation. Okay. I'm going to get on my soapbox here. So, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, let me present to you my case. <laughs> I've always been a proponent of changing the NFL overtime rules, so I'm not a victim of the moment here. Right? This is just another evidence, piece of evidence I'm going to present to the jury of why these are the stupidest rules in sports history. Sports in general, right? No, okay, so let's let's talk about sports in general. There is no other sport that I can think of where we're questioning overtime rules besides football. There's none. And I know each game is different. And I know I don't know every single sport out there. I don't know what overtime rules and curling are like. So pardon me if there are, uh, there are some conflicting overtime rules out there. But I've never seen... Overtime rules, so debatable in my life, right? So, like, basketball, it's like you play another, like, half quarter. And it makes a lot of sense, okay? And then if still tight, you play another half quarter or whatever it is. Soccer, what do you do? You play an extra 15, two 15-minute halves. Hockey is sudden death. Sudden death is just fine because there's hardly any scores and there's each team gets a ton of possessions anyways. So it evens out. They would all each basically have an even chance to, to score. So, but th this is where it really, really gets me. I've never seen a football team get so excited to win a coin toss, unless it's a coin toss to determine who gets the ball first in overtime in the NFL. Right there is enough evidence to say, hmm, there's probably an issue here. Like, why, why is there so, like, a coin toss isn't supposed to give an advantage. A coin toss is just only supposed to. Set the stage, right? Who gets the ball first? Not who's going to get a complete advantage to winning this overtime. Like this, this is a football game. This isn't a board game where you roll a dice and, and it's a matter of luck, right? They Each team played their tails off for 60 minutes. It's just like the, one of the craziest games I've ever seen. And you're just going to, you're just going to give a team uh, just an unfair advantage. And, and it's statistically proven Ever since the over overtime rules changed, I think from what 
you have to like score a touchdown first now instead of just the first one scores. It happened 11 times. 10 of those 11 times, the team with, that got the ball first won the game. That's over 90%. So you're saying if you get the ball first, you have over a 90% chance of winning the game. That's a problem. A coin toss isn't supposed to give a team an advantage by over 90%. A coin toss is simply supposed to just set the stage. And it's still supposed to be 50-50. After a coin toss, it's not supposed to be... this. Now this team has a 91% chance and this team has a 9% chance. It should be... It's a 50-50 chance, but we're, it's just kind of determined who's getting the ball first. That That's enough evidence right there, right? We're, we, we complain so much on the refs, right? Of like, oh, bad calls. Like, that cost this team, you know, the game. It's like, and, and, and sometimes it does. You know, that Saints game a couple years ago, that passed interference, and they changed the rules all of a sudden for that. But why aren't we saying the refs have a big impact on the game when they get to flip a coin, right? That, that's, that's huge. <laughs> like, if he just put a little extra effort into it, Bill's got the ball and they would have won. And there's no doubt in my mind. Maybe they scored 25 points in less than two minutes. Like, whoever got the – both those defenses were done. Whoever got the ball first is going to win that game. Like, that, if there's any game the rules need to be changed, it was this one because they were scoring at will, literally at will. Kansas City had 13 seconds. And they could score. And, and okay, it's this is just taking me off when people say, uh, you should have just won in regulation. Well, Kansas City didn't win in regulation, so why do they get an unfair advantage to win the game in overtime? Like, they're just at fault than the Bills are for not winning it in regulation, so they shouldn't get some unfair advantage because they didn't win in regulation just like the Bills did. And they also say, oh, well, I saw another quote. It's like, well, defense wins championships, so... If you can't stop them, you don't deserve to win. Well, if defense wins championship, why doesn't Kansas City defense deserve to be out there? Right? If defense wins championships, the Kansas City defense needs to actually play at the end of the game to see if they deserve to win. If defense wins championships, Kansas City didn't have to play their defense in overtime to win the game. So that, that makes no sense. That's a, that's, that's a very, very hypocritical statement. If defense wins championships, then both teams better have their defenses out there in overtime. All, all of these naysayers out there are just trying to, try, trying to just say, you know, these rules, it's the rules, right? The rules are rules, whatever. Just because they're the rules doesn't mean they're the best rules. I mean, it, just imagine if we applied this to basketball, Okay. First team to score wins, right? You know how much more that tip-off would would make, would, would, would impact that game? It would be huge, right? To get that ball first would be huge if first score wins. But even, even that makes more sense because the tip in a basketball, like that, that takes some sort of athleticism by the players to get. Not just simply a luck of a flip of a coin. I don't agree with that. I'm not saying that should be the case. And it's not, thank goodness. But if they're not going to rely on a tip to determine over 90% of the outcomes in overnight game in basketball, why are we relying on a coin flip in football? It makes it makes no sense, right? With, with soccer, it's the same thing. In soccer, it's just like no one, scoring doesn't come as quickly as it does in football. And even there, it's not sudden death. Even they, they say, well, we got to give each team a, a fair shot, a, a, an equal amount of possessions. 
All these sports overtime rules make a lot of sense. But football, for some reason, we just fail to make it make sense. And and I, I just I just do not understand why. And my last comparison, let's just take the football rules and apply it to baseball. And this is the biggest one. Because baseball and football are very similar. Each team gets about nine possessions a game. Right? So a baseball gets nine chances of of winning the game, right? Nine, well, nine chances of scoring points, right? They're, they're off there. They bat nine times. The average amount of possessions for each team is about nine in football. So it's very similar. You get about nine chances to score. Some innings you do. Some possessions you do. Some innings you don't. Some possessions you don't. Um, so it's, it's actually very similar. So, but in baseball, imagine after the ninth inning, they flip a coin. And the away team calls heads or tails. And based off that coin flip, whoever wins that gets to decide who bats first. And whoever, and it's just sudden death. So if the first team that bats scores, it's game over. The other team does not get to bat. Well, those aren't the rules. Each team, you get to play at least one full inning where each team gets a chance to score. Why? Because it only makes sense. But if you try to apply the football rules to baseball, do you think baseball will be like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, let's just do that. Let's do it just like football and make it so dependent on the coin flip. No, people go crazy. People won't like it. Why? Well, one, it doesn't make sense. But two, because the same people don't like to change the rules. Well, if it makes sense, why don't we apply that to football and change the rules? Don't just accept the rules because of the rules. It's just I don't I don't understand why this is so difficult. Like this is this is an easy solution, and I'm not going to here to just complain about these rules. I'm here to present you a solution, jury, ladies and gentlemen, the jury. So if anybody has a voice in the NFL organization that's hearing this right now, please, I am going to present you the perfect solution. Get rid of this stupid rule of like first team just you know if you score a touchdown you win automatically. You got to give each team equal chance. Now I understand. You can't be like basketball or whatever where you have this just continue doing overtime, overtime, and overtime because it's just a lot of wear and tear, especially on this game where it's just the defense was just gassed for both of these teams. So I'm going to combine a little bit of college football rules and soccer. So if it goes into overtime, do not treat the end of the fourth quarter like it's the end of a normal quarter. You got to treat it like a halftime, maybe even a slight, like maybe even three quarters of a halftime. You got to give these players a chance to rest. If you're going to give them, what, 20 to 25 minutes to rest after two quarters of football, then you got to give them that same rest after the next two quarters. You know what? They do that in soccer. They play 45 minutes, they play another 45 minutes. If it goes into overtime, they don't just go right into the overtime like they do in football. They take another good break. So let's not just jump into the overtime with no break like it's just a next quarter. It's like they only play back-to-back quarters once, and then they get a big break, and they play two more back-to-back quarters. So why make them play a third quarter right after the uh, back-to-back quarters? That makes no sense. So if you want player safety, don't do that. Give them a little bit of a bigger break, like it's another halftime, even if it's a mini halftime. So that's the first thing. Second of all, get rid of the stupid sudden death crap. It's dumb. You can't do that and not have not give the other team a chance to possess the ball. So here's my solution. Here's player safety. So this is going to be a short overtime, right? 
So right now it's 10 minutes. This is actually going to probably be shorter than that. It gives each team an equal and fair opportunity. And it's also going to be very, very exciting. And it's actually going to be more safe because I'm going to pull some things out that we typically have. Number one, no kickoffs. Pull the kickoff out. Okay? There's not going to be any kickoffs and there's not going to be any punts. And this is how it's going to work. You have a coin flip. But all the coin flip is, is determine is whoever wins the coin flip determines if they want the ball first or if they want the ball second. And this is where uh, Kyle's football rules start to squeak in a little bit. So the first overtime, right, they do a coin flip. One team, whoever wins, decides if they want the ball or not first, and the other team decides which side. Same thing here. Whoever wins the coin flip, they get to decide those things. So let's say Team A gets the ball first. They start from their own 25. There's no kickoff. Just start from your 25-yard line as if it was a touchback, and you drive down the field. Okay? So if you if your team gets a fourth down, you have two options. You either go, you go for it or you kick a field goal. There's no punts. Right. There's no point of punting because each team is just going to get their possession starts at their own 25. So there's if you're punting, you're just basically saying I give up. So there's no reason to punt. You go for it. There's no no risk to go for it on fourth down. So you basically have four downs to drive down the field. And then if you're in field goal range and you're fourth down, you get the chance to kick field goal. Okay. then whenever that possession ends, whether it ends with a turnover or a score or whatever it is or. The other team starts from their own 25, and they get a chance to score. So whoever is winning after each team gets to possess the ball one time from their own 25 wins the game. Equal. Offense and defense are out there one time each. Offense and defense are out there one time each. So the coin flip has nothing to do with the outcome of the game besides who gets the ball first, just like it does at the beginning of the game. And you know what? Football, all football is, is basically two football games put together. One football game, one team gets the ball first. The other football game, the other team gets the ball first. So why would we play the overtime like it's completely unfair now? Because we play the game, one team gets the one ball first the first half, the other team gets the ball first the second half. So let's make the overtime the same thing, where one team gets the ball and the other team gets the ball. So both the offense and the defense, who played the entire game, who are the reason why this is an overtime, is actually on the field playing the game and not just half of them. Let's say it's still tied at, at, the end of the, at the end of the two possessions. Then it's just a field goal kickoff. Just And that's where we're coming back to soccer, where they have a penalty kickoff if it's still tied to determine the winner. And so your kicker, it's just you're holding your kicker. You don't, There's no blocking, no anything, because we don't want injuries. It's just, a, it's just a holder and a kicker out there. And they start from a 30-yard field goal, and they gradually back it up, switch sides every kick until somebody misses. And then that's the game. That would be exhilarating. That would be exciting. We had a full weekend of kickoffs to win it, walk-off kickoffs to win it. And you can't tell me that wasn't some of the greatest football you've ever seen. So it would be amazing to see the two kickers go at it when we've gone a full game and an extra possession and it's still tied, put it in the kicker's hands. That will be fun. They'll put more pressure on the kickers. Kickers will get much more appreciation. Kickers will have maybe get paid a little bit more. Um, and honestly, kickers in this game are freaking good, man. Um, Justin Tucker, it's 66 yard field goals. McFreer Ferson in Cincinnati looks like he's going to be a star. So, let these guys shine and let them be a part of this overtime um, along with the defense and the offense. So this, this makes too much sense, right? Like 
you can't tell me the previous rules are more fair and make way more sense than the ones I just presented. If you think that you're delusional. And one other thing to add to this rule, if if the defense or a special team scores in overtime, it's game over, right? So if the first team's out there and they throw a pick six, game over. If the fumble's recovery for a touchdown, game over, right? You don't need the offense and defense to come out at that point because the defense scored. If there's a safety, game over. If it's a blocked field goal return for a touchdown, game over. Those are the only situations when the other team doesn't need to come out. It's because their defense or special team actually won the game. And they don't, actually, they don't need that extra possession to win the game. So anyways, I there's no no one can convince me this there's no other perfect rules in this because it 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 takes into account player safety, it takes into account more rest, it takes into account um fairness and and equalness and um which overtime should be. It takes away the the impact of the coin flip because this is a football game and not a board game. So I just hope someone hears this and I just I hope to see this change very, very soon in the NFL because this is ridiculous. Um I really wanted to see the Bills win that game. I really, really did. But it's it's just so sad to see to see that they didn't even get a chance to really win it. Their offense didn't get a chance to win it in overtime. All right, Nick, I'm done. I'm sorry that was so long. But do you have anything you want to say? First off, uh well laid out. It would be interesting to see what considerations will be made because you have this in a couple of seasons ago where Patrick Mahomes fell into a similar situation where offenses were clicking and basically turned into a big game of keep away. For me, I don't mind the overtime rules how they are. I'm not opposed to changes, but I'm not getting out a pitchfork saying teams were robbed or whatever. And it's for many of the reasons you said that people are against changes. I'm not against the changes. Many, many moons ago, about 10 years ago, when they made the overtime rules change to where if your first possession is just a field goal, the other team still gets the ball. For me, I've always viewed these overtime rules for the NFL as a celebration of all three phases of my ga- of my team's game needs to be on par, or at least someone needs to step up in some facet of it to give our team a shot, whether my offense can get out there or not. And I found this interesting. There's been 160 overtime games since the inception of the rules of unless you score a touchdown right off the bat, the other team will get a possession. And the team that does win it wins it only 52% of the time. So for me, it's not as big of a deficit as many want to say of how one team, they do have an advantage because 52% obviously greater than 50. They do have an advantage, but I don't think it's as overwhelming as everyone wants to see because of how great that game was. That game was really amazing. It would have been great to see Josh Allen out there again. And what the same statistic says is the team that kicks off has won 42% of the time with the remaining percentage being a tie from these 160 games. So for me, it's not as big of a disparity as many are clamoring, but can there be changes? Yeah, I don't think... The college system is great either. I think they need a change there too, but that's not what we're talking about. Overall, I'm fine with how it is because it does offer that your defense needs to figure something out or in 
the Bills case, if you know your defense is gas, would have been an advantage in that situation to try to do a squib kick, try to get a turnover that way. Just different scenarios. Doesn't mean it's the right answer. It's just like, I find beauty in how the overtime is, and I understand other sports. Yeah, each team gets a possession, each team gets a turn, but that's what makes football unique. Football is the one sport where you play each other head-to-head, and there's no seven-game series like in the major American sports. There's no, we have to have the best of three or the best of whatever. This is one and done. This is how it's going to be. Because if we had best of series, I think we'd have different teams making it to this conference championship in some situations. It just makes football unique in that aspect. But like I said, and I've said it several times, I'm not opposed to changes, but I definitely can see a beauty in the overtime of how it is. Maybe people see me, maybe they're like, yeah, you're looking in the wrong mirror, buddy. But it's fine how it is, but tweaks are never a bad thing. I guess with your best of seven scenario, it's like, yeah, I mean, football is one of very few sports to really have that or like... um at least have a pool play like soccer does a lot of pool plays to get seeding and then it's kind of sudden death but like to me that makes it even more important why it needs to be fair because it's like it's win or go home there's not like you can't afford to like just lose a game in a like like in a best of seven it's like okay you i i lost this game whatever it's like i you have a chance to recover but in football, you don't. And that's, that's to me, it makes it even more important why these overtime rules just need to be a little bit more equal and fair and allow both teams an equal opportunity to win the game because it's like, you only got one shot to win this game. And we tried a whole freaking game to do it. And we're still not there yet. So now you're just going to like give one team an unfair advantage all of a sudden. It's like, this is my only shot. You know, it's like, I don't get to go to game two. So. I don't know. To me, that's that makes it even more important why these needs to be a little bit more fair as opposed to like basketball. It's like if it was said in death in basketball, I would hate it, those rules, because it's not fair, but be like, well, at least it's best of seven so they can just recover a little bit easier. So, but anyways, I, I know everyone's got an opinion on it. Um, I, I don't, I, I want f- the football to decide the outcome. I don't want coin flips too. And I know you brought up a statistic about coin flips and overtime and regular season, whatever, but playoff when it really matters it's 10 the, the team that wins the coin flip is 10 and 1 it's over 90 percent it's just crazy uh since the uh, recent rule change all right we got picks absolutely we have picks and we're just going to go in order of the games this weekend we're going to start with our afc championship where unlikely team nathan and i did not have high hopes for this team the cincinnati Bengals go and take on kansas city chiefs do we have a repeat when the Chiefs visit the Bengals of the Bengals winning this game? Or do, do the tables churn in this situation, Nathan? What are you, what's your gut on this one? Uh, this is tough. Um, this is, I, my algorithm has a, an 8.1 for the Chiefs, but it's 7.5 spread here. But I don't know if I completely trust the algorithm because... Well, because it's completely objective here. So I, I, I that's my, my objectiveness. And then I add subjective taste to it. Cincinnati, they're the best team right now. Like, I feel like it's Joe Burrow is the dudes acts like, man, he's a 10 year veteran and he's, he's got a couple Super Bowl rings. He's so, he's so good. He's so clutch. And their kicker is like, I don't know if you heard the story, man. It's just like, 
when they got that late pick, <laughs> he's going down the sideline telling on everyone, looks like we're going to win the AFC Championship. Like, he just, he knew he was going to hit that field goal. It's just, they they brew a confidence that's just unmatched, even to the teams left in this in this playoff. And, of course, Cincinnati's already beat them. And so then they, they know they can do it. It's not like, you know, it's not like they're going up against someone that they haven't beat before. It's like, they they know, like, we beat this team. Granted, it was in Cincinnati, but they don't care. They're like, they beat this team. Kansas City has just won a, just an exhausting thriller to Buffalo, and I think that plays a huge role. My big concern is Cincinnati's offensive line. It just seems to be getting worse and worse and worse. And Joe Burrow, like, I've never seen a team with a bottom five offensive line just continue to find a way. But their defense is playing exceptional. Joe Mixon is playing exceptional. Their wide receivers, everyone's playing exceptional. So it's their offensive line. Kansas City, very weak secondary. I don't know um, if Honey Badger's going to be back. But, oh, that secondary just looked awful against the Bills. Awful. It was so bad. And you see Joe Burrow. So, man, I am... This is tough. Seven and a half points. Right now I have Kansas City by eight. But I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna take Cincinnati at seven and a half. I Kansas City will win. Well, who knows? <laughs> but I feel like Kansas City's gonna win this game, but Cincinnati, they're not gonna go down without a fight. And and by a fight, that means they're not gonna lose by more than a touchdown. So I'm gonna take Cincinnati plus seven and a half here. Despite the weakness at the O line. The mantra of the Bengals this year has been just keep on fighting, keep on going, and it's been paying off. They had a very close game against the Raiders and the Titans. They pulled it off. They looked great, and the Bengals did it last week, like you said, despite this offensive line just looking, well, I feel like the Bengals' offensive line is like devolving. They were getting so strong, and then these last few weeks, it's like, uh, well, maybe we're not as good. And so... That's probably the biggest thing that scares me. Fortunately for the Bengals, the Chiefs' defensive line is not like the Titans' defensive line. The Bengals' weakness, I don't think, can get completely capitalized by the Chiefs. I think Honey Badger does get back because it looked like he was being a limited participant. I don't know if he's cleared protocols or whatever for concussion, but they're definitely going to need him back because there were some major gaffes there with not that Gabriel Davis isn't a great wide receiver. He is, but man... He was wide open towards those final few minutes of the game. If you're going to be a team trying to go to the Super Bowl, last year it was your offensive line that made you guys look silly in this in the Super Bowl itself. But the secondary almost cost you a trip to the AFC Championship. And that's got to be scary with the receiving core that the Bengals have. Jamar Chase, Boyd, Higgins. The Bengals just so many weapons that could exploit Chiefs so badly. However... I do think the Chiefs have championship swagger about them. There's something about them that kept them in it during the Bills game, and that was mostly driven by their offense. As we've both said, we've been pretty well hammering on this defense. So my final pick is Bengals cover, but Chiefs win, just like you, Nathan. I just don't feel strong enough that the Bengals are going to pull off the upset, but they're going to make this a game. They're going to make it close. It's going to be three or four point seven is what I have, and that's way too much. Seven and a half is definitely way too much then. So we both got the Chiefs winning, but Bengals covering. Let's move on to the NFC Championship game, which is the third time this season, Niners and Rams. What's going down here, Nathan? Yeah, so 
I saw that um, I didn't know this, but Lafleur, Sean McVay, and Shanahan all coached under Mike Shanahan in Washington in 2013, and they went three and thirteen that year. <laughs> and then three of those three are now coaches, and three of the four were in the you know the basically the semis of the NFC. Mike Shanahan was the offensive coordinator. Sean McVay was the tight ends coach. And LaFleur, I think, was the quarterback's coach. And um, it seems like Shanahan just has both the Rams and the Packers number because Packers can't beat the 49ers and the Rams can't beat the 49ers. Um, Sean McVay cannot... Can, the, this San Francisco's got the Rams number and I don't think the Rams ha- are really going to have a home field advantage here. I've heard a story that... 49ers actually are gonna they're gonna be more than fifty percent <laughs> capacity in that stadium. That's the bad part of uh, having a football team in LA. But seeing that game yesterday or seeing that game last week actually scared me more than anything. Sean McVay folds at the end of games. He really, really does. Um, but there's so much talent on this team. San Francisco keeps getting healthier. I think this game goes into overtime because I think these teams are a little bit more defensive minded than the other teams. I don't think it's going to be like whoever gets the ball first is going to score a touchdown, especially San Francisco with uh, their quarterback. It's going to be a lower scoring game. I feel like, I feel like both quarterbacks are going to make mistakes. I'm going to go San Francisco plus three and a half. I think the Rams will win, but I'm by definitely no more than a field goal. So, and because San Francisco has their number, I just, I can't, I can't say Rams minus three and a half. If it was two and a half, I'd go Rams. But I I just don't see this game being that high scoring. I don't see this game being a blowout. I think this game is going to be tough for both teams. Um, And I just think whoever makes the last penalty, (laughs) the last mistake was going to lose. So I'm going to go with San Francisco plus three and a half, but I think the Rams win. So I'm, I'm taking both dogs in the points here, but think the ramp but i think the favorite team will probably end up winning all right so 49ers definitely showed that they play great team football i mean it took their whole team to make sure they win in spite of what jimmy was putting out there now i will give jimmy credit he was trying to chuck it he was trying to put things on the line himself just wasn't connecting the best at first and he did hit some plays, so there is credit to them. They they knocked down the Packers. They knocked down the Cowboys, and now they get their chance at the Rams. Two times this season, they have beat the Rams. This weekend, against the Rams, they were blowing out the Buccaneers. Like, 27-3, early third quarter, we're seeing here, and it's just like, wow, is this going to be the biggest blowout of Brady's career? And then, inevitably, the Rams just start coughing it up. It's not Matt Stafford this time. It's his center throwing it way over his head. Cam Akers forgets how to hold on the ball two times. Cooper Cup inexplicably fumbles. It's just like the Rams, every time it looks like they start clicking, they get everything going, they just keep letting teams back in the door, like Nathan said. And it's that's something that scares you when you're trying to pick a team that's going to win, especially two teams that face each other year in and year out at least twice a year, this time for a third time. How often does history repeat itself? Well, when I look at the most recent time a team played each other three times in a season, that would be last season with your New Orleans Saints and Tampa Bay Buccaneers going head-to-head. 
New Orleans had the Bucks number both of the regular season matchups. Tampa Bay finds a way to win, mostly because of the Saints' turnovers. It's hard for me to contend otherwise that the Saints wouldn't have won that game had Drew Brees not thrown. I forget how many interceptions now. I'm going to say three. It's probably not that many, but we're just going to say three for this sake. So for me, being one that likes to look at trends and history and stuff like that for how games are going to go, as much as I like the parody that we have sometimes, I got to go with what Nathan is saying. It's three and a half the spread I have. I think the Niners keep it closer than three and a half but I believe the Rams win. I don't know that it goes to overtime, but I believe the Rams win. It'll be very interesting to see how these games shake out. It's it's hard to believe if they're going to be more exciting than the last week, but I think they could be for similar reasons of how Saturday's games were interest, were exciting because of the defensive mindset and how Sunday's games were interesting because of the scoring shootouts. But we'll see how that all turns out, how everything happens. But for tonight... It's been a fun episode of talking about different things, what people are going to do, what they won't do over time, and our game picks for these conference championships. We have been the Sports Forecasters. Thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to Nathan Singer. I'm Nick Alvarez, and we'll see you next time.